0: welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Man, that was so good. Thank you, Chisholm, for sharing. Give it up for Chisholm. I mean, that was a message. I appreciate that. Such a good story. Well, once again, hello, friends, family, church, guests, everybody. Thank you for being here today. We're so glad you're here. And I really did love that story. I loved what Chisholm shared. Um, so much in that story that I think a lot of us can relate to, whether it be going through hardships or trying to figure God out and our faith out, or, you know, and, and, and it's really a story of a God that continues to pursue us no matter what, right? I mean, that's so good. And so I'm just grateful for it. I hope that this morning as you come in here that even in a story like that you can find your own story you can find your own self and how you are trying to relate with God because that story as he ended is is one of renewal which is something we care a lot about about a lot about around here something that we're doing this 28 days of renewal what it's all about is that we would see God renew our heart, mind, soul, strength, all those things not only personally but as a church body and so Uh, Man, I hope you're encouraged today. I believe God has each and every one of us here for a reason. Those of you online with us, thanks for joining us today. We know a lot of us are worshiping from home because we have to right now. We just thank you guys for being with us, and we're glad. Are you guys glad to be here? Let's jump in. Today we're going to jump in. We're in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. We're going to be talking about something that I believe relates to all of our stories, something that relates to our everyday faith, and it's connected to renewal. We are in part 6 of this series called... The book of Luke, and uh, we are talking about the life and the teachings of Jesus. And I don't know, you can't talk about Jesus all that much without running into miracles, right? So, everyone say miracles. Miracles. Everyone say miracles everywhere. All right, Luke 6, starting in verse 46. Here we go. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? (laughs) Oh, man. Are you all ready? Jesus has something to say to us today. What a great question. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like someone building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent, now, a torrent, as in a deluge, as a torrential rising flood water, as a fast-moving river caused by a flood. Jesus says, for people who listen to me and put my words into practice, it's like someone who laid their foundation on a rock. So when a flood came, when the torrent struck, that house could not, or excuse me, that, when, a, when a torrent struck that house, but could not shake it. Everyone say, could not shake it because it was well built but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on a ground without a foundation the moment the torrent struck that house it collapsed and its destruction was complete all right today i want to talk about i want to call this message you can't shake this all right everyone say you can't shake this you can't shake. <laughs> don't you want to be able to confidently say you can't shake this life You can't shake my life because I'm building my house on a rock. I'm laying my foundations in the teachings and in the ways of Jesus. Nothing can come against me that can shake me or destroy me. Who in here wants to be able to say that confidently with your life? Amen? Amen? Are you all with me? Can I get an amen? Let's do this. Think about how Jesus starts this statement. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Now, he's saying it's not enough to just hear me. It's not enough to just hear me. In the end, you're going to have to go out and do it. You have to put into practice the things that I'm saying. You have to put them into your everyday life. This is what Jesus is saying. Now, we've all heard the saying, um, in one ear and out the other, right? We've all heard this. For some of us, that phrase applies to quite a few things in life, right? For some of you, it's happening right now as we speak. If that person, if you believe or is next to you, you might nudge them right now, all right? Anyone, we might call this selective hearing. Anybody know anyone with selective hearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone say I'm that person with selective hearing? I think some of us are that person. It also applies to learning, right? So sometimes we get taught something and we have learned it at one time, we passed the test maybe in the past, and we've, but since then we've forgotten all that we learned at that one point in our life. So it went in one year, it might've stayed for a minute, but then it went out. You all know what I'm talking about? This was algebra for me, right? right? Anybody learn what you had to learn about algebra for a minute and then now it's gone? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Addie, my daughter, she's in the seventh grade, and sometimes I get the privilege of helping her with her homework. And here's the thing: like, seventh grade, I still can be, I still, I still can bring, bring it to where I can fulfill, fulfill the role of being, you know, the wise sage, the know-it-all dad in her life. But guys, seventh grade math is coming at me really hard right now. And every once in a while, I'm like, mmm, this firm foundation I'm standing on is feeling a little shaky. The rust starts to show. I can't quite remember. And plus, they're doing this new whole math thing. What is that all about? You guys know what parents know what I'm talking about? I don't know what this new math is, but here's my point. Even though at one point in my life, I had heard my algebra teacher teach me everything I needed to know, and I was able to retain it long enough to get through the class. But since then, I have not been practicing algebra. Everyone say practice. Algebra was in one ear, stayed for a minute, and then it was out the other. Now, I will say this, I was thinking about this metaphor and I was like, hold on, Jesus and algebra, they're not really the same thing. I don't want people to think that I think that they're the same thing. And so here, for the record, I did want you to know that Jesus is way better than algebra. All right, that's our next hoodie. (laughs) Jesus is better than algebra, dot, 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 like way better. I like that one. Anyway, my point is, so many things in our life are very much like this. We catch them for a minute but they're essentially in one ear and out the other. And we have so much information coming at us. How many of you guys feel like there's just so many things that we're constantly trying to process? So much information coming at us we're just trying to keep up, we're just trying to keep our head above water. Our brains are often trying to sift through all this information coming at us, and what's happening is that we are processing what we are being taught more than we are practicing what we've been taught. And that's just happening all the time. And by the way, those things are very different. A few months ago during our series, Rest for the Weary, Scott talked about the information overload that our society is facing. And we are living through, of course, the information age. We know that. It was brought about all the way back to the Enlightenment era, to the technological revolution we've gone through. And we, of course, have endless and entire industries dedicated to organizing information and knowledge that we can access, right? And I want to show you a slide because the information and knowledge that's available to us is growing by the second. In fact, there are studies that show us that knowledge available to us in the world is doubling every 12 hours. If that sounds crazy, it is crazy. That's crazy, right? So this particular slide shows us that in the last 50 years, the gap between the information that our brains can actually handle and the information that's coming at us and that we are able to, that, that is available to us, the gap is getting wider and wider. And this causes us, guess what? Going back to rest for the weary, why we brought it up then, this is gonna cause us to feel overwhelmed, stressed, anxious. All these things start coming at us because we feel like there's too much for us to handle, right? We can't handle what the world is throwing at us. We were originally created to to be peacemakers of a neighborhood, and now we are trying to be peacemakers of the entire world. Guess what, we can't do that. That's too much for us to handle. However, however, what happens is we become information processors without any ability to practice what we are being taught. And so no wonders things are in one ear and out the other. As information overload happens, what we do is we get stuck processing. Anybody ever process quite a bit? We get stuck processing, and what really must happen is we have to get out of the mode of processing and we have to actually start practicing things with passion, conviction, and get this consistency and commitment. We jettison consistency and commitment because of new things coming at us. Information comes so fast at us that something that's two days old feels like old news. We all want more information. We all want it faster and we all want it first because then that's why we set all of our alerts on our phone. That's why we get all of our notifications because when we have all that, we feel like we are in the know, but really all that is causing us to do is live a life that's reactionary, that's always changing and that's always shifting. So the art, if you will, of, of, of living a life and settling into the rhythms of Jesus, is the is the submission to a rock solid foundation that doesn't change that isn't shifting and that kind of way of life is actually countercultural we talk about how Jesus is countercultural all the time but to actually make the choice to live countercultural is not an easy thing to do in fact it requires a person of tremendous wisdom to be able to say i choose the countercultural way everyone say wisdom So in this parable, Jesus talks about two home builders. Now, I want you to note that this parable that I've read you is actually a warning. It's a warning from Jesus. What he says in Luke, Luke 6 is actually a dire, stark, sober, weighty warning about life. In Matthew 7, we read the same parable, but Matthew writes it, and he adds a couple words that I think are really helpful for us to kind of break this parable in Luke six down, but this is the Matthew seven version, pretty much the same thing with a couple different words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against that house, the torrent came, right? Yet it did not fall because its foundation on the, was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against and beat that house and fell with a great crash. We've heard this parable before if we've been in church for some amount of time, but this is a powerful warning from Jesus. One builder is described as wise and the other builder is described as foolish. Now wise in the Greek is a word called phronesis. Everyone say phronesis. You already sound smarter, which is what it's defined as. Smarter, intelligent, enlightened, phronesis. Now, the word foolish is the word moros. Everyone say moros. Moros is where you get the word moron from. It means unintelligent, dumb, stupid, unenlightened, right? Now, there's a problem because we think that we are way more phronesis than we are. And we think that we are never the moros in the room. (laughs) How many of you know that there's a fine line between the wise and the foolish? We may think that because we can get the right answer to any complicated question by means of Googling it up, that we are phronesis. But the truth is many in today's world are actually living in moros. Because Jesus defines wisdom through practice and through doing, yet generally speaking, we define wisdom through one knowing more information. So think about this. How foolish is it to know what you ought to do but not do it? This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, I've given you the keys to life, I've given you the answers to life, the ways to live, the way of life, yet you call me Lord and you don't even do what I say? That's like building a house in the sand. And when the storm comes in life, guess what? That house is going to come crashing down. You see, a lot of us know the teachings of Jesus, but the truth is, is we struggle to faithfully practice them. And a lot of us, we become people who want to get a lot from God without having to do a lot with God. And not only does Jesus, so he uses this familiar concept of the wise and the fool, but he also illustrates it through the building of a house. So Jesus is being culturally relevant, right? He's like, hey, y'all know how to build a house, y'all have done it, y'all get it. So he's like speaking to the people. And he's talking about a house, something something everyone could relate to, But a home in jesus's day was not just about um the house itself it was a metaphor for your life right so when you say build a home you were essentially saying it was congruent with saying building your life and we get that we understand that that metaphor that way of thinking but even more so in jesus's day this was true because people their home was was everything it's where all of life happened. It was their generations, two, three generations, would live in one home together. So all of their family, that was where their home was. Even they would conduct, most, most of them would conduct business out of their home. So their livelihood, their business, it was all coming from their home. So it was the hub of everything in their life. And so the house came to symbolize your life as a whole. And as Jesus says, a wise person builds their house, meaning builds their life on the foundation, on the bedrock of my ways, while the foolish person builds their life on a ground with no foundation on something that is constantly changing, shifting. Your opinions seem to be informed by the news of the day rather than the foundations of my ways. See, Jesus doesn't say why people do this, though. That's what's interesting about this parable. He didn't say, hey, the foolish people do this because... He doesn't even say who the foolish are and who the wise are. He did, I mean, he, in the crowd, he, he lets them draw their own conclusion. Like, He lets them decide, well, which one am I? He lets them fill in the blank. Am I the wise or am I the fool? I think that's pretty interesting. So even though, because here's what's, here's what's crazy is that if you're thinking about it, for a certain amount of time, you can't tell the difference between the two. The house is built, man. They might live in the same neighborhood. They might have used the same building products. They might, they might have be making the same money. They might, these two people may look exactly the same. They go to the same park. They do the same things. They even, they even go to the same church. The two might look exactly the same until the flood comes. So the idea. Of the flood would be something that the people listening to Jesus would also be totally familiar with. In the area of Galilee, flash floods happened a lot. They would come out of nowhere, and of course, some houses would stand firm and others wouldn't make it. So even though Jesus was speaking literally about something that they were familiar with, he was also speaking in a metaphor, he was speaking in a word picture, and it's pretty pretty uh, accepted that when the, Bi- when the Bible uses the metaphor of a flood, it's used using the way that Jesus uses it. The flood is meant to be understood as some form of hardship. So when the flood comes, when the diagnosis comes, or the tragedy comes, or the bad news comes, or the loss of a loved one comes, or the catastrophe comes, you know, going back to the video of Chisholm's story, when, when three or four of those things happen in 24 days, and the storm comes, Jesus is saying it's not, it's not if hardship comes, it's when it comes. And Jesus says over and over in his teachings that his teachings and his ways have to lead to practice or it doesn't work. Without practice, it's only a matter of time before life takes you out with a storm, without life takes you out with a tragedy or a disagreement. How many people have been taken out by a divided society arguing over politics and a pandemic who previously said they were building a house on Jesus, but we realized, no, 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 they were probably just building a house on sand? Jesus is being brutally honest about life. And don't you love that about Jesus? That he's not sugarcoating it, candy coating it? Because none of us are really good at being honest about life. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And we all know that a lot of us, that's not how we feel. Sometimes we're great, but a lot of times we say we're great and we're not great. But that's just a silly example, but I mean, this is over and over again. We like to sugarcoat candy coat. Jesus just gets brutally honest, and he says, listen, listen, all will face hardship. Here's the, here's, here's the even bigger truth in it. He says, the wise and the fool will both go through the flood. All of us will face hardship All of us will face tragedy, pain, disappointment, failure, embarrassment. God's ways don't avoid hardship. What they do is they lead us through it. The flood will come. The hardship and the challenges will come. Whatever they are, major or minor, those things will look to shake your life to the core, to bring you down, and they will ultimately reveal what your life is built upon. Psalm 62 says this, verses 1 and 2. It says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. See this idea of you can't shake this? It does not mean that we won't face storms in life we all get that it just means we won't be taken out by them if we build our life on what secular culture around us teaches us are the things that matter you see what secular culture teaches us that the things that matter are things like uh, materialism accumulate more have more experience more popularity what people think of you pleasure the good life you know success money those are the things that secular culture teaches us that matter Which, by the way, some of those things aren't absent in the life of Jesus, there's a version of the good life of Jesus, there's a version of success with Jesus. But it says, Jesus is saying, when that flood comes, it will reveal the bedrock or lack thereof in your life. It's a warning. If you're building your life on anything other than Jesus, it will come down with a great crash. Listen. Sometimes I don't like these truths. Sometimes I want to be able to say to someone with, I want to sugarcoat I want to candy coat and say, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you, and and hopefully you'll figure it out. And and you know what? It'll all work out in the end, and all things work together for the good of the... I mean, those are all truths, and there's things in that, but there's also this truth. Have you ever witnessed someone's life coming down with a great crash? It's painful to watch, isn't it? Some of you are like, yeah, I've, I've experienced it. We've seen celebrities, we've seen even spiritual leaders, we see their house come down with a great crash and when we watch from a distance, we're like, whoa. But we've also seen friends and family members that we know really well. And, and you, see, you see people and maybe, it's, maybe you can relate personally, but I know a lot of us can relate with what we see in life and we see people and they're, they're building their life on things that, that just at the end, they don't really matter. And so they're taking these massive risks on things that are really shaky. And sometimes it doesn't come down with one great crash, one major fall, one thing, one day, it's all over. Sometimes it's like Chisholm said, it's like a slow burn, but the other way. And it's a life that just deteriorates over time. It's a life that continues to continually be falling apart and they're repairing and patch jobs. And there's always something they're trying to, and it's hard to watch. But here's the thing that I, I'm painfully aware of. It can be any of us. It can be me. It can be you. I read this warning and honestly, I have to remind myself of how serious I have to take these things because this can be me. Because most of the people that fall with a great crash at one point especially those who were believers at one point they were they were going after it, they were living for jesus but then somewhere along the way they got they got off course and they started building their life upon some other foundation and and you know what like i it's not hard to get there some the world is a powerful force that leads us astray and, and, and and i'm painfully aware that none of us are immune to this and that's why It's not just about knowing or hearing what Jesus has to say. It's not even about agreeing or believing that what he said is true. It's about practicing it. It's about building your life through the ways of Jesus. It's why we do things like 28 Days of Renewal where we're telling you to, hey, read the Bible, pray, fast even for the Lord, focus, prioritize him in your life. It's not because Jesus wants to control everything in your life or that's church, It's, it's to say, hey, we wanna wanna fall into the ways and the rhythms and the practices and the teachings of Jesus, and we know it starts with some fundamentals like that. It's way more than that. But I wanna ask you a question. What do you need to start practicing immediately? And I ask that question because when Jesus said the words, why do you call me Lord and then not do what I say, I have to be honest, that, that verse hit me this week kind of square between the eyes I had to stop and I had to really consider this and I had to just consider the things that that I feel like the Lord has impressed on my heart even in recent days that I'm not doing like I don't know if you get that but every once in a while you're like oh the Lord's started prompting me to do this or impressing on my heart to do that and and I'm not doing them and I asked myself, I'm writing this down in my own journal, why am I not doing what I feel like the Lord's called me to do? And I just had to be honest, and it was like, oh, I'm afraid, or oh, I'm, I, I'm busy, or, uh, you know, there's, just, there's a lot of reasons why. At the end of the day, I wasn't doing them, though. Why do you call me Lord and then not do what I say to do? So is there something in your life that, you, that you're supposed to start practicing immediately? That's that's the question i want to leave you with today. Maybe there's someone in your life that you need to forgive. Maybe you need to honor a parent. Maybe you need to love a neighbor. Maybe you need to love an enemy. Maybe you need to lead your kids better. Maybe you need to get in Christian community, join a connect group, come to Alpha. Maybe that's the thing God's been putting in your heart and you're like, I need to do it. Maybe you need something else here at the church. Maybe you need to give, maybe you need to serve, whatever those things are. Maybe you need to invite person into your home for dinner go to coffee with them because you just feel like you need to spend time with them what's the thing the Lord's putting in your heart to go and do some of it's in his word we know that there's a lot of things that he says we all have to do but there's some things that he says that hey he's impressed that you call me Lord why don't you do what I say Jesus is being honest with us and he's warning us If you want to build your house in a way that you can confidently say you can't shake this life, he's saying this is how you do it. I know you want to stand firm. I know you want to have that fortress around you. We all do. And Jesus is the way. So what is something that you need to start practicing immediately? No more in one ear, out the other when it comes to the teachings and the ways of Jesus? The things you learned long ago, do you need a refresher so that we can actually settle into the things that matter most? Let me pray for us today. You can bow your heads. Father, we want to be people who who truly can say, Lord, Lord, without the the added emphasis on the things that we still need to pay attention to in our life. Lord, I know that you aren't demanding perfection or asking for perfection. We know that you love us no matter what. You know that we've, we're accepted. We know that we're, we're given grace and mercy time and time again. It says that your goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. For that, Lord, we are thankful. We are so grateful. That Lord, we don't have to prove ourselves over and over again. You accept us as we are. But Father, this is more about who we want to be, the life we want to build. And Lord, I want—I just pray for each and every one of us that we would start building in the way that you've called us to build. That Father, we wouldn't—we wouldn't just take hacks at it in our own way or let the world tell us what to do. But that Father, we would settle into the ways and the rhythms of Jesus. That we would practice the things that you've called us to. That Lord, we wouldn't just be about a life built on beliefs, but we'd be a life built on beliefs and practice. And so, Father, we just we just ask this in Jesus' name that Lord you would would stir something up in this church that's new and fresh, but not new information, but a new passion, a new conviction, a new commitment, a new consistency, that Lord, we wouldn't just do the same old thing, we wouldn't be status quo, we wouldn't be average in our faith, but that Father, we would be on fire for you, that there would be a renewal sparking in this church that cannot be quenched by just walking out the doors and the world douses it once again, but that Lord, that fire would stay lit and we would go out into the streets and there'd be something consuming about the work that you're doing in here changing our lives so that lord we are building our house on you on the rock that is Jesus father we pray that in Jesus name we pray that in Jesus name as we uh, worship this altar is going to be open our our worship team is going to lead us in a song and i just pray that this time would be a time of response for you that you would just say lord i want to give it to you i want to give this time to you and i want to give my life to you We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, amen. Would you stand with us? Our prayer team will be here available to pray with you. Our altar is open. Let's just give these last few moments to the Lord this morning, committing to him for all that he's done for us. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.